Sindri Holland is the CEO and founder of SalesScreen, and they can make the claim as the first gamification platform for sales teams. You see, I first met Sindri uh, in 2022 at the Sales Development Conference hosted by Tenbound in Austin, Texas. And as a huge fan of using contests and gamification to motivate teams, I knew I had to have him on the show. We start on our interview by discussing ideas around goal setting, and then we get into the origin story of his company, SalesScreen. From there, Sindri leads us on a journey through the ultimate gamification strategy, breaking down all sorts of approaches that you can take and implement right now. And toward the end of the interview, Sindri shares an approach they're using currently to drive revenue outside of how they're using their platform. I noticed that you uh, posted this morning, a, yeah. you completed your first half marathon. Uh, so I read the post. So the half marathon. Congratulations! Looks like you 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 did what you you know set out to do. You finished a one <laughs> goal, right? Yeah. But the post was interesting because you were talking about uh, creating goal structures. Uh, one of the things you said in your quote was, "By having two thirds of your goals in the range of what we should achieve, we work to what we are capable of achieving. And if one third of our goal uh, goals serving as more ambitious goals, stretch goals." Uh, we work the perfect line of ambition and realism. I thought that was really uh, a transformative way of looking at things. You know, I think sometimes we oversimplify our goals and maybe sometimes we make them too big and, and these sorts of things. So goal setting and goal structuring, we're not really here to talk about that so much, but I would love to hear, hear you kind of build on that. Uh, you know, obviously the experience of running the marathon and training up to it and preparation, but the goal setting that kind of drove you throughout that. Yeah, I, actually, I think uh, I, I caught on to this uh, by reading and learning more about the OKR framework initially. Yeah. Um, so where you are setting uh, higher level objectives and then you have some measurable key results that uh, if you check them, you kind of achieved your objective. Right. But based on theory uh, and business theory, you should always kind of like aim for around 70% on your key result achievements. So if you're like 70% uh, on the way, then you're you're actually happy. Yeah. So all the yeah. key results in the framework has stretch built into them. But by knowing 70% is good, you're kind of like two thirds of the way is yeah. still good. And you have the ambitious stretch in there. And when you start to kind of take that to other type of goal setting, um, then you see how much sense that make, for instance, in training to a half marathon. Right. Yeah. Well, from you, a motivational uh, point of view. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it makes it uh, some. I, you said it perfectly. The, the perfect line of ambition and realism. What I'm capable of. Keep because you always want to make smart goals, right? And part of yeah. the smart acronym is uh, you know attainable. Uh, so that is a big part of setting setting our goals. I'm sure. Um, and I think this plays well into how gamification can be a strategic uh, component when in driving sales and results for, for businesses. Uh, but before we get into that deep conversation, which I definitely want to unpack with you, obviously, and talk about sales screen and what you guys are doing. Uh, so the marathon, like you, you, you had a certain goal. What were the goals? And did, did you hit all three of your goals? <laughs> uh, well, Let's say like that. I I, I left there uh, kind of happy, kind of disappointed, uh, which I think is, uh, is is everyday life for me uh, because of the way <laughs> I set goals. But uh, yeah. yeah, no, I, I'm 
it was my first race. Uh, so I've done a half marathon before, but I never done it in a race setting. Okay. Uh, so obviously my first goal to just complete, that was uh, pretty easy, but the second goal, um, that was like my, my apps were telling me it was like two hours and something, right? Yeah. Two hours, 15 minutes. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big guy. And, uh, for me, this was a bit of a, yeah, a quick journey to even complete. Uh, but I finished at 208. Uh, so nice. it was just in between like, uh, the ambitious goal and where, um, the realistic goal was, and right. I think that's uh, that's I should be a very happy to be. with that. Happy, exactly. It's a good place to point. be, <laughs> yep. uh, especially given that I was like, yeah, I caught a cold, so a full uh, week yeah, running up to this, I didn't get to do anything, and I was uh, pretty scared that I wouldn't even be able to finish. So uh, I was happy with the overall look. Sure. Well, way to way to push through and make it happen, right? Someone who gets sick leading up to something like that—that's an easy excuse to pull out. So. Exactly. But the, I was the bigger question—I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm sure you were. I mean, you got to pick your health first too. If you're really genuinely sick, running a half marathon can put extra wear and tear, and you know, subject yourself to other things. So, taking that cautionary hat off, you know, all the way to the wall, right? We just we, we push everything through, right? And I love that. And we're talking about effort here today, and how gamification contest should be tied to effort not also not always necessarily the outcome right we talked about that in our plan exactly right um cool but last question on the marathon will you run another one now or are you going to step to a full marathon like is is this going to become a thing for you now or did it kind of scare you off oh, oh yeah absolutely so be the we were eight guys who, who ran together and uh, this is uh, an annual thing mm-hmm. uh but we're 15 in the group so max 15 but hopefully around eight to ten people will join every year uh for a new half marathon location so kind of do it as a boys trip but also you know visit new places around the world uh but there's one dream marathon that we're gonna do when we're 40 years old okay yep that's the ultimate that's absolutely happening yeah at one point well i've never run a marathon uh, I'm jealous. Got me scoping out nearby marathons for sure. I would definitely start with uh, like a 5K, something small <laughs> before I get into the, the big boys like you're doing. Uh, so cool. Uh, well, that, that says a lot. I mean, obviously, you know, uh, you, you are living the life of gamification and goal setting and these sorts of things and staying motivated, right? That's what we're here to talk about. So let's get into the origin story of sales screen, if you don't mind. Uh, I always like to unpack that first to create a context uh, for for the audience. You didn't necessarily set out to create sales screen, what was it, 2011? So it's been over 10 years, 11 years now, right? So that wasn't originally the plan. You pivoted uh, focuses, uh, product focus, and then ended up on gamification. So talk about that for, for the audience and how sales screen came to be. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I was pretty set on creating a software business and a subscription business, but I didn't really know what to do, uh, to begin with. So I did what uh, many first time founders do. I did several mistakes. Uh, and one of them was to build uh, a full-on SaaS application to replace corporate text message. Right. And this idea came from and the fact that there was a new technology at the time, the push notification. And I saw that the, you know, 
this could replace text uh, for corporates and they're paying per text message. So, you know, there's a, there's a real business to be had here. Right. right. Uh, again, nobody asked for this. Nobody really wanted this. I didn't really solve a pain point. Uh, so, so it wasn't like a bunch of market research now, happened or anything. It yeah. Was, <laughs> okay. It was really like just the engineer going at it uh, with a gut feeling. And um, obviously a year later, when we were finally ready to release, the text message became free of charge. So the whole business Boom. metal fell apart. Like that's, that's that. And nobody- So talk really about that moment though. Talk about, it. So. talk about that moment though. That's a, that is where a lot of people would be discouraged. It's like when we're talking about the yeah. race, you got sick leading up to it, very easily could have just pulled out. Uh, but you, you hung in there and you found a way to pivot. But talk about the mindset and what the fortitude was it your support system around you what drove you to keep going forward instead of just throwing your hands up and saying you know i did all this work for a year and now it's you know it's not you know, how did you maintain the wherewithal to, to turn that corner i think uh, for me at the time it was such a strong goal to build a, uh, a business that could mm. survive on its own and, and try to do that without really involving any investors at the time like doing it by ourselves um so that drive was within me and this was very early in the journey so i was super motivated and just like all right then we'll uh, find ways where we could be even better so that it becomes a value add so we're still like full of optimism uh you know young i think i was 23 at the time so I uh, didn't have enough, enough life experience to know how hard it was. Life hadn't beat you up that much was, yet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was like that was a blessing in disguise. So we we went at it and we found a business that sent tons of text messages. And it was kind of like the yellow pages out of Norway. And uh, um, they had, uh, they sent obviously a lot of text messages in their business, but they also did it internally. And the internal use case was really interesting because they what they did is that they obviously sold quite a lot of ads uh, and they placed these ads and they sold them through field sales and they also sold them through call centers. Um, and every time somebody placed an ad, meaning they closed the deal, and it was really high pay, so this happened many times a day, they sent a text message to everyone in the company so that they would kind of like all the phones in the call center lit up and buzzed because it was, you know, 2011, 12. Um, but also, uh, everyone in the field knew that somebody just closed a deal and they're closing deals It's possible. I can do that too. So it kind of created a level of energy for them right. and it was a part of their culture. So they really did it to motivate the staff by telling them other people are succeeding. You can do it too. Very and strategic. this was kind of like the concept that we, uh, pivoted towards where we're like, okay, we can replace this text message that you're saying internally. You can also add more to it. So let's add a pie chart showing how much you sold compared to your colleagues today and how you're tracking towards your, your targets for the week. And those elements obviously became much better than the text message they, they did manually um, at that point. Right. And, and it gave them many more uh, ways to kind of build up that excitement. And when you could see that you passed a colleague and you're above the middle mark and you're now on top of the leaderboard. So it really... It came to us through that client relationship and our willingness to pivot and search for good use cases. Interesting. Um, and we, together with them, they, they kept adding requests and we kept filtering them and uh, did the things that we thought would be cool for this use case. So at one point they asked, hey, you guys now built this, you know, corporate messaging application, now sales reporting tool, and you have so many, much data, like, we would love to see that up on TV screens in office space. And we're like, 
wow, that's brilliant, you know? I was like, okay, let's try to do that. So we created our second software as a service, a digital signage. We integrated it with the corporate messaging, now sales reporting tool. And together we created something beautiful, which really set the jungle telegraph in motion because the moment we installed those TV screens in our office space, and every time somebody reported a sale for a mobile app, all the TVs, boom, lit up simultaneously. I have the tiger playing or whatever, you know, showing that (laughs) to everyone really creating this next level nice. energy and excitement, replacing not only like that gong bell gong that people rang, but also yeah. like, uh, you know, the the whiteboards that you used to have in the- in oh, yeah, the, yeah, we talked about yeah. that. Yes, I remember those well, yeah. Yeah, you know, all the sales stats were up on the yeah. TV now in real time. So this thing, like when salespeople quit their jobs and went to another place, they went to their manager and said, you got to look into this. Right. Or when somebody visited, they were like, oh, my God, this is amazing. So without any marketing, not knowing anything about positioning, building sauce or anything like that, uh, you know, this started to spread. And we were mm-hmm. able to organically just be profitable from day one and bootstrap. And um, it wasn't until we kind of like got our third or fourth or fifth client all based on just word of mouth. We understood that, OK, we have found a product market fit there. So we need to start all over uh, in proper engineering way, you know, let's build it from the scratch up and be the first ever sales motivation software. Well, that's but a big claim right there. It, I think that's a, that's a big point too, right? Like that's it is a big the claim. first <laughs> gamification platform for sales teams. Like that is a, that's a big call out, right? Uh, and it, it's, it's, you have receipts. You've been doing this since 2011. I'll, I think, yeah, we saw a big surge of gamification in some of your competitors, if you will, 2015, 2016, particularly in the sales development realm where I was at, uh, you definitely saw that emergence. Um, but yeah, the, the first, you know, the OGs of the gamification uh, game, if, if you will. So yeah, going from whiteboards, spreadsheets, bells, gongs to a more sports center-like experience with you know, around the office and the walkout song. I love that piece, mm-hmm. right? So I, the tiger you mentioned for some folks, some of us might have another song, but uh, I, I love all those components. And I, it's it, the thing though, right? Is if you haven't fully implemented it or haven't seen it, would you agree that there's, there's the perception out there that people might look at this as something that's a nice to have, something that's more uh, additive, but in reality, if you're truly trying to get in, tap into motivation and you're trying to really create an atmosphere that is a, a, a positive competitive environment, the, you need to have uh, some sort of platform that facilitates that. The, the Salesforce dashboards that we have, great, and the CRM, the sales engagement platform dashboards, whether it be sales loft outreach, whatever, those reports, those dashboards, all the visualization tools, really, really good. But taking it to this, this next level of having the screens around the office and in a remote environment, which is a big turning point for this, right? Absolutely. Yeah. The, now, the it, it, it is the ultimate, uh, it's the ultimate nice to have there. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like if mm. you're an enterprise sales team, for instance, you know, someone right. working at, a, let's say, Oracle and closing one to two deals a year, like, do you truly need this? Um it's really nice, you know, it's really cool to beam it up and visualize for everyone where you stand. It, it creates accountability, transparency. 
in the organization and mm-hmm. like people stepping into the office will see how you're performing immediately. So there's some value to that, of course, but it's ultimately nice. Uh, it, you know, you don't need to do that to sell your Oracle enterprise deals. But if you work in a contact center, if you work in, in, in you know, in a field as a real estate agent or something where, where your sales process is very short, okay. so it's like high velocity type of volume of activity and where the link between the business outcome, which is like closing that deal or building that pipeline, if you're, for instance, an SDR team, and versus the input that you're doing. So let's say you're an SDR team. Again, you, you add context to a sequence and you actually do cold calling and sending emails and that right. leads to meeting set and uh, that becomes SQL. So that could be the whole funnel. Um, and that is pretty like, let's say short. So there's the, you, you're expected to do a certain level of volume every day. And then it becomes repetitive, a bit mundane, hard really to do day in and day out. You get a lot of rejections, a lot of no's, and it tears on your motivation. And for those customers, they've been with us since 2011, 2012. Wow. You know, they, uh, they've been with this platform forever because for them, turning off the TV screens and the celebrations and knowing how they stand, really catering to that celebration of the smaller wins and the recognition and the the, you know, rewarding them when they actually do something great. Like if they miss that, it's like losing electricity. Wow. You need to call someone like, how, you know, uh, where, the lights are this, out. This we thing, like, to do. <laughs> what we're going to do, you know, because it becomes part of their DNA, yeah, their I culture. That. And that's actually a good quote we got from uh, one of our customers at over at US Health Advisor. Return, asked him, what would you do if, you know, if sales screen went away? There was like, I would call uh, Bob and tell them like, you know, put the electricity back on because that, that's <laughs> yeah, how tell me we need to call right right to check we need to turn this back on so no, I, I, I've, I've set it up and i've worked in those environments and i've also been you know dating myself a little bit the manager who had an outside sales team that put up a whiteboard i got the the black strips so that it was like in the ruler and had it all perfectly lined up i mean they had companies at the time i mean this is you know again, dating myself, mid 2000s, early 2000, early 2010s, where they had companies that would come in to set up your whiteboard. Like that was a service that you could call in and they would design your whiteboards according to whatever contest or tracking leaderboards things that you were doing. Um, and instead of putting that money into that, I just, you know, spent a weekend, I'll never forget this when I was at Verizon, I spent a weekend and just set up our our whiteboard there in the office, you know, meetings, pipeline, the, the, the stuff that we tracked uh, commonly. And you fast forward uh, 2016, first SDR team, unfortunately it wasn't sales screen, but set up a, a gamification platform and we had multiple offices, right? And I think going to that model where you have satellites and you're, you're, in, a, you're in your HQ there in Norway right now, you have an office, I would believe in New York or in the States as yep. well, right? So there you go. And that's what we had. We had SDRs in India, we had SDRs in London, we had SDRs in, in, in the US. And so the office and multiple screens were would light up depend, and you could control the channel, right? Eat different screens mm-hmm. had different channels, right? And I'm sure you can do something like that. We could you could literally have something like that in the lobby if you wanted to. But yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. We couldn't get away from it. Once it was up and it was in and people started uh, experiencing it, CEOs walking by that didn't even know we had set it up. We're like, what is this? This is awesome. You're right. And investors, partners, they all 
it, it creates a buzz, not just for those that are in the office, but anybody who who interacts with them. So big fan uh, on my end. And uh, but yeah, yeah, I think if you don't understand the, the strategic components of rolling out contests and gamification, that's where you know we get into low adoption, maybe low yield in terms of the results that you would get from it. So talk to us about what the science behind some of this. And you have personality types, gamer personality types that you talk to the audience, you'll talk to the audience about. Can you break those four groups down and why they're important? Absolutely. So I would say gamification runs on motivation. So you really have to tap into the psychological drivers on how individuals are motivated to achieve their goals. Right. Uh, because the thing is, they, they, they for sure are motivated differently. Um, and there was a pretty renowned scientist uh, named uh, Richard Bartle, uh, professor. He, he looked at the gaming industry and obviously gamification is like applying these game-like elements to, to something that has nothing to do with game, but to create engagement and excitement. Right. Um, so there's a big uh, connection here up to a sales gamification platform and the gaming industry. So when he looked at the gamers and kind of like what was their motivation to to keep playing the game and and you know dedicating so much time in the game, uh, he found out that he could categorize it into four. So you had your killers, uh, and they're typically focused on winning, you know, ranking, direct pair-to-pair -pair competition, being on top of leaderboards. Uh, you had your achievers, which focused more on attaining status, achieving preset goals quickly and completely. Uh, and then you had your explorers, you know, focused on finding their way uh, to discover the unknown or to find the best way to kind of close a deal or do it on their terms. But the biggest chunk of people were the socialites. Mm -hmm. And they were focused on the collaboration. You know, how can you drive uh, and develop a network of friends and contacts and, and work on something together? Um, so what's interesting when you're, you're bringing this over to the world of sales, uh, I would say Perfectly transformable. A big, <laughs> it's a big linker, right? Yeah. But it's also um, maybe more killers in sales. I'm not going to lie. Uh, and the killer, killers are, you know, they're the ones who motivate to be on top of the leaderboards and they want to show who's, right. who's, who's the best. And kind of like killers on number one. Exactly. Yeah, they're like... Yeah. You always have one of those, like one Joey who's constantly winning every competition you set up or doing any, anything that he can do to, to win. And that's fine. The problem or the challenge starts to, to, to be apparent when you want more managers because you're growing and we keep on promoting the top performers. In most cases, are killers. Killers. So <laughs> when they become managers and they are starting to think, how can I motivate my team? they will try to deploy motivational tactics that works on them. Right. So they incorporate leaderboards and competitions. Hey, the top three performers get these prizes. But when your team is 100 people, I promise you the big chunk is the socialites. And they know that Joe is going to win anyway. So why should I care about that competition or that it leaderboard? Is. Or I just want to do my part. Uh, but I, want, I really do care that my team has just surpassed their biggest uh, week ever. Like that's something that's huge for us. And we're going to go out to celebrate. And I record yeah, breakers. really makes a lot of sense. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So this now really becomes core uh, to our whole platform. It's like, how can we make sure that there's enough game elements of different types that speaks to all of these different types of uh, individuals so we can motivate them on an individual level 
and make sure that the middle performers are elevated because the top performers is always going to be great and you're always going to have someone you need to performance manage out. But it's the core part of the team. If you get them to move one, two, three, four steps up, that's really going to move the needle for the business. And that's where gamification and these player types come into to play. Right. It's, 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 it's bringing up the overall productivity of the team as opposed to having that one tip of the sword who's constantly carrying the team quarter over quarter mm-hmm. or month over month. Now let's broaden that, that contribution through motivational tactics, which we all know work. It's, you know, an accountability and motivation mixed into one. Uh, so there's a couple ways to mix this up. And that was the point that I think we talked about in our planning was that it's about having the right mix in the structure of your contests. Again, it goes back to my original questions with you about structuring goals with mm-hmm. your with your uh, marathon. But here you have to have a variety of uh, structures, if you will, within the contest. So team-based in versus individual-based, right? Having that blend. And I think what you're saying is when you have that, that killer individual on your team, that's always killing, that's that individual contest that who's going to sell the most, who's in a book, the most means outcome-based, individual-based equals the same person over and over and over again. But if you change that formula to team-based and then short versus long durations, mm-hmm. right? Um, That's also a key. Well, the thing that I like, talking about the element of chance, that was my favorite piece of what you talked about is introducing the element of chance, which really now creates an opportunity for those socialites, those explorers to win as well. Because, you know, again, Johnny Killer is always taking the cake. Yeah, exactly. And like Billy, who's an achiever, he would love to win a competition, but he knows that uh, Johnny's always going to win. Uh, so actually introducing the element of chance from time to time into your uh, competitions as an example of a, a very powerful game element mm-hmm. uh, is extremely impactful in, in elevating the middle performers and those player types outside of the killers. So in that case, you know, what we say now is like, all right, for every meeting you book, you get a ticket. So, yeah, we tally it up and Joey's still going to have the most tickets. So he's still going to be motivated. Uh, but Billy suddenly by booking one meeting, he had a ticket and when the competition ended, they spin a wheel and, or they do a draw, right? So suddenly, uh, he might actually win and Billy can go home to his wife and and kids and be like, look what, you know, I want to work today. It's amazing. And they will feel a lot of like mastery and motivation from this and be very proud. And to your point with team-based competition as well, like, uh, you do an individual competition um, and then based on the performance, place them into balanced teams and, and make them work together with individuals they haven't worked with before. The socialized will love it. I love that. And it's going to elevate the results because the good ones are working with the less so. Right. And there's knowledge transfer happening. And it's creating just- cross-pollination within people who normally wouldn't norm- probably work together. And this, in, particularly within larger teams, this is something that, again, has to be a strategic focus in, in stewarding this type of uh, yes. collaboration, right? Because it's not That's just getting the results. So, yeah. It is a strategy. It's it's not really like a quick fix and right. becomes more visualization recognition, which is also impactful and great. And you can have that. But if you really, truly want to dig into gamification, 
you need a, you need a customer success manager who knows that and kind of joins in on that quest and say this is the outcomes and how do we break that into actions that individuals actually feel they can influence themselves uh, and let's put in, in place a wide range of game elements or a game gamification plan so that uh, we when we measure the outcome of that business outcome we're going to see a progress month over month over month and if uh, if it doesn't work we change it up and we try some different types of game mechanics until we find the ones that works for your team Right. So it becomes right. a partnership. Right. Yeah. So you uh, have a, so what you're saying is you have a see your CS team will work hand in hand with them early on to help you know drive this to the the max adoption that they can that they're ready for at that stage, uh, which is yeah. important. So do you how far do you take it in that realm? Because I mean that could be you know months of work potentially. I would imagine. Yeah. Um... I mean, we've, we've done this for many years and we know our customers pretty well. And, and luckily for us, uh, most of them have similar types of sales processes and uh, there's yeah. a lot of knowledge that we can uh, reuse. But in, in a way, we, we guide our uh, new customers to, to come on board with the mindset of trying to find one key business outcome they want to influence, uh, breaking into you know five metrics at most. Uh, less is more. For human beings, they, they they can't really focus on too many KPIs or metrics at one time. Let's take the let's take the SDR example because I'm biased. That's what the teams that I work with. So the business sure. outcome, as an example, would be X amount of completed meetings or new SQLs created in the pipeline. That would be an outcome yeah. that we're strategically focused on. But then what you're saying is you need to break that into smaller pieces that are more effort based, uh, and then and then apply that mix that myriad of types of contest structures that are then managed and tracked within your platform. So it's breaking those into smaller pieces like number of calls, number of emails, um, the, this sort of thing. Is that kind of where you're going with that? Is that what you would typically see? Yeah, exactly. You you make it into a funnel. Um, mm -hmm. So you think about the business outcome and then you reverse engineer your way all the way back to that those actions that they should be doing 40 plus times a day. Right. Uh, and that's where you want to apply the game elements. That's where you want to create the contests, the leaderboards, the achievements that trigger when they have progress or when they hit certain milestones or when they've done 100 calls three days in a row and they're on a streak. Like, there we go. Uh, yeah. These types of things, you want to do that on, on things that can influence directly themselves uh, because everyone wants those meetings. Like, that's not, there's no doubt about it, but like, how do you get there? by really visualizing that and making that transparent and making them feel accountable for the input, uh, you're going to see output in the end. So yeah, that's that's the key uh, to success. And that's where we try to guide our different types of, uh, of customers to really understand their, their funnel leading back to the action and how they can, uh, which systems do you track that in? You mentioned Outreach Salesoft. Those are great systems for SDR's team to, to kind of start everything up by adding context to a sequence and that, right. then you need to complete your task that's created by that sequence. And those tasks should have one third, you know, being cold calls. Uh, so indirectly, you're going to do a lot of cold calls. And then finally, hopefully you'll get to those meetings, but you should measure the conversion rates uh, of this funnel as well. And you could even create competitions and achievements. Hey, you had a really strong Talk, conversation to meeting book right. conversion. 
you were above 10%. Which is something they can control. Like literally that's the, that's the most important metric right there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you could, right? It's quality and quantity. Mm -hmm. There's this old saying that um, you, you, you need to focus on quality or like at some point we kind of start to say, oh, forget about the quantity. Uh, it's all they about go hand in hand. They go hand in hand. They go hand in hand. You need both. So yeah. uh, you absolutely need both. It's Especially in the transactional the models that you're talking both. about. Yeah. Yes. I think in order to sustain velocity, there absolutely has to be a, 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 qual- a quantity component. Um, let me ask you this, though. You're probably using sales screen in ways that a lot of customers aren't using it, right? Some advanced approaches, if you will, right? I don't know what the common adoption rate is with across your install base. Let's say just for shit and giggles here, it's 50%. How does, like, what are you doing at the top line? First of all, the, like, what does that full adoption look like? What's some more advanced ways that you're using sales screen in ways that a lot of your customers aren't using it today? Yeah. Um, good question. I think that, uh, being one of the oldest customer, <laughs> first customer, uh, we we've uh, we've gone through it all. Uh, but uh, what we found to be really motivational for our uh, lot of people uh, that I I would hope and and want to see more customers do is to chain their competitions, kind of build on them. So okay. if you have stack them up, yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of connect them. So um, I'll, I'll take an example. So this month is, uh, is the month of May. It's the uh, mental uh, awareness month. Right. So mental health awareness month. And uh, because of that, we, we have put focus on that through running a series of competitions inside my company, focusing on exercise. Oh. So the first one, um, we asked everyone to track their you know, workouts and uh, anything they did in the workout app Strava, which we have a native integration with. Wow. And we ran a, a, an individual leaderboard. Just how many minutes did you exercise? Um, what they didn't know is that the next week, we used that leaderboard to create balanced teams uh, based on who exercised the most. And we changed up the metrics. So now it's not minutes anymore, but it's distance. Uh-huh. Um, so we're building on like the initial set to build out an even better team competition now. And then next week we might take the results again and we're going to tweak it, uh, into another Keep ex- iterating uh, on the same stuff. concept. Yeah. yeah. I love that. And then, so, so you're doing it, this in parallel though, to the regular sales, uh, oriented, uh, and effort-based stuff that we talked about. Yes, I didn't even think about that. So. Honestly, like that's a that's a great idea. I mean, my my wife, uh, her brother, and her sister in law, the three of them. I don't have the i the Apple Watch, but they have their little daily who gets the most mm-hmm. steps in, and they're like competing with each other. It's funny. And so you know they have the biometrics going and whatnot. So you're saying you could do something like that, but incorporating with your your team family, your company, your your work family, and not even make it about sales now. Uh, making it yep. about you know just I love that you have the exercise component and that you just did a marathon. Perfect alignment there. <laughs> it doesn't, uh, it, it does help. Uh, I feel like I contribute more to the team than most. So that's good. <laughs> okay, okay. No, but it, it's, uh, um, it, it, it's a good idea uh, to switch up what you focus on from time to time. But uh, given that everyone in my company uses it, not only the sales team and SDR teams and CS team, like everyone is on it. 
mm. um, it makes it even more impactful because it becomes a company-wide initiative. Right. So obviously that's something I would wish more of our customers uh, were doing as well, but that's a cost constraint constraint in it. So of course, uh, you need I to have licenses why. for those for those folks yeah, for exactly. whatnot. But if it's in the office environment, we've got more and more people moving back into offices. Uh, we've had guests on here from large organizations that have moved their SDR teams from remote to hybrid or fully in office. Uh, so that transition is still underway, but I think. Uh, there's more and more teams that we're seeing that are getting back into these office environments where they can have, definitely leverage that. And so I love the fact that you could have HR walking down an off uh, a, a hallway and see on the screen that SDR just hit their quota or what have you, and it pulls mm -hmm. them into the celebration as well. It's not just the go-to-market sales and marketing team that are celebrating off the dashboards, but now it's holistic within the organization that you're really factoring everybody in. But I asked you what you're doing at the top end. What prevents your customers from getting to that, though? Like, why would they not get to a point where they're using the product in a more advanced manner just to drive more strategic motivation and accountability into the business? Um, I would say probably it's about uh, knowledge constraints. Mm -hmm. So our, our platform has uh, evolved over the years to become uh, quite of a beast in terms of uh, flexibility and uh, capabilities so training even an internal customer success, success manager on the platform might take uh, quite a lot of time oh, so we okay. see some customers who have dedicated people that are set to kind of like sales screen is your tool you own it and you're gonna you know uh, run motivational incentives and change it up for every quarter so we make sure that we, it keeps fresh they they're obviously having even more impact um, than the ones where this kind of falls uh, across all the frontline managers or even worse, you know, on, on operations person. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, it depends a bit on, on how much resources you have as a customer to really spend on this strategy and initiative um, because you will get value from day one by just having the visualization up on, on the TV screens, pushing the smaller wins that, you know, someone just had their hit their quota or close to new deal that should push out on mobile it should push into slack on teams on tv screens everywhere so you create awareness you create noise you create celebration right. um, and that that and really unity. builds yeah. on mm -hmm. their self-esteem for the the sales team so it's really important and you get that value immediately so you don't need to go all the way down um but the more you do and the more you invest in these motivational tactics and gamification um, the more performance you will be able yeah. to gain. I would imagine executive leadership, uh, you know, some sort of executive sponsor is a, is a big factor. Having someone at, at a, in a leadership position that is a big fan of this tool who's setting priorities for people in frontline management, whether it be sales operations, sales enablement, SDR, salesman, whoever that person is that's going to kind of own the platform, then whoever that person reports to, if they're a big fan, then hopefully they, they can help prioritize this. Otherwise, you know, you sit around 20 to 30%, you would cater to the killers and you don't really make the full use of what it, what it can do for your business and how transformative it, it can be. Um, so we, we, I think we've hit on a lot of the important things that I wanted to ask about the product and educating our audience around this, this topic. Uh, in closing, how are, what else are you doing Besides using your product 
to drive revenue at SalesStream? We've asked this question of other organization uh, leaders like yourself um, that have products that are go-to-market centric, but we want to know what else is working within your business for, for, so for that other founder revenue leader who's trying to understand outside of gamification and these things, you have a whole business to run. So gamification is part of your strategic and I'm sure it's a pillar in your focus, but what else is working at sales screen to, to move the needle? Yes, that's a, a great question. And we could probably talk uh, quite a quite a while about it. But I, I would say um, there's a couple of uh, very rudimental things that you, you need to get right. And we've, we've also failed on this um, even uh, in recent times. Um, one being knowing your ICP. Yeah. And I know it sounds easy, but like it is... Uh, it yeah, what does that mean to you? If, someone's, <laughs> yeah, so you? if you hear someone say know your ICP. What does that translate yeah. to in your mind? In my mind, it's like, all right, so we're not a vertical tool. We're kind of horizontal. So this can really sell into any industry and any team. So it's like really just picking a lane and sticking with it, um, but also doing it based on your data. So you need to, to, in the initial beginning, kind of like try out a bit of different things, but then you need to use the data and understand where is your retention best? Where are you know they sticking around expanding value, mm-hmm. Where's the sales velocity high? You know, it's like and when, once you start to realize there are segmentations in your customer base that is better than others, those are ideal customers, and you need really need to double down on that and build that um, go-to-market engine around those ideal customers. And for us, for instance, we already kind of alluded to it. This is more powerful the bigger the company is. So the more people you have to manage and you try to motivate at the same time, that becomes very quickly extremely complex uh, compared to if you're like a few people. So for me, strategically right now, we're building up more of a product-led growth uh, engine for the smaller customers so they can get something which is really, you know, essentially visualization, some competition, they get they get a taste for it, but they can really handle it on their own. It's very simplified, so it's cheap. Hmm. Uh, and we, while we focus more on the bigger customers as a collective go-to-market and team. direct outreach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we really focus more on those strategic and enterprise accounts and because we know they absolutely stick around and it's a bigger pain point for them because of their scale and size and it becomes a more valuable customer for us uh, in terms of lifetime value. So it's uh, it's knowing your ICP and then focusing your go-to-market strategies around that ICP segmentation um, to make sure that you have the highest impact. So for us as PLG on the smaller side, focus more on the bigger customers. So that's two of the core strategic choices that we have right now. Okay. The third one being obsess about your customer, really do understand what is it they are struggling with right now because the world is changing so fast these days. So. Mm-hmm. Make sure that that becomes the center of what you do. Don't be, uh, you know, feel you're safe. Really talk to them. Do executive business reviews. Change up your gamification plans pre- uh, regularly to align with the business outcomes that might have changed. Make sure that you actually do the work so you're aligned with the customers. So you have uh, uh, customer situation. symposiums or some sort of feedback mechanism. Do you? I mean, do you? Are you? I would imagine you're proactive and customer obsessed yes. yourself. So how often and to what degree are you talking to customers? I try to be on with customers every day. 
Uh, so and that means also talking to my internal team. It means uh, looking at what the problems are being surfaced on Slack and helping out. It means actually being on the intercom right. and looking at some support requests. It means going out to the customers and meeting with them and understanding what they're doing. But it really is like sticking my nose into Inserting uh, yourself. what yeah. my customers is, is doing all the time really yeah. helps me align the teams here at sales screen. But um, yeah, for sure. That is, it's an obsession. I love it. Well, this has been enlightening. And uh, for those that are really serious about gamification, accountability, and motivation in a strategic manner, particularly with sizable teams that are transactional, high velocity, this might be the missing component that you need to really hit that turbo button. So I really encourage you guys to check out Sales Screen. Uh, Sindri, where, where do you want to send people? How do you want them to get in touch with you and the company? Uh, I'm big on LinkedIn. So okay. uh, yeah, search me up on LinkedIn and Sindri Halen um, and uh, hit, hit follow and connect and, and send me a message. You've been listening to the Sales Consultant Podcast. If you enjoyed the interview and would like to support the show, please be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and or on Spotify. Please also consider following our LinkedIn page. If you're an industry expert or if you know an industry expert that should be on the show, message us on LinkedIn at the Sales Consultant Podcast.